And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brave Maker online experience. My name is Tony Gapastone, and you're listening to the Brave Maker podcast via audio, or you're watching us live or on the replay. Thank you so much for being with us. You know, the Brave Maker Film Fest was founded in 2018. And for the past two years, we've been having film screenings and discussions. And now because of COVID uh, webinars and these online live streams, talking about brave stories, talking about how art and Uh, film and story can really impact and change culture. So thanks for joining us. We're really glad that you're here today. Before we bring on uh, our co-host and special guest, I want to thank the Redwood City Parks and Arts Foundation, which is one of our sponsors. You know, I say this every single time that uh, we have one of our conversations. We are a nonprofit and we can't do this work without people who believe in it. So all of you individual donors, thank you so much. But to our corporate sponsors and organizations that have stepped up, I say thank you, especially right now during COVID when resources seem to be slim and nonprofits are dying you know, every day. Uh, I'm glad that we're still afloat. So thank you to the Redwood City Parks and Arts Foundation. Their mission is to advocate and advance and develop support for the arts specifically in Redwood City. And so I'm really glad that they're doing that. And right now I want to shout out to them because they are trying to sustain our city where we're headquartered with doing a COVID-19 housing and food relief. So if in any way you're led to give, would you go to rwcpaf.org and just know that your giving supports our city, supports artists, supports people who are trying to make it. I'm really glad for all their art. They recently did a virtual chalk fest. It was really cool. So you should go to their website and see all the really cool art that was created during their virtual chalk fest uh, during the 4th of July. So thanks again to Redwood City Parks and Arts Foundation. Okay, I'm going to bring in my co-host. Let's say hello to Christina Jackson. Hi, Christina. Good morning, Tony. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, so, hey, tell us what we're going to be doing today, because uh, you've watched the documentary of Jason Hanasek. And before we bring him on, I'd love to hear just your, your thoughts on the topic for today's doc- conversation. Yeah. It, um, well, I mean, it's it's a very provocative film if you haven't seen it. And it definitely hit close to home for me as a queer person and as a person who came out at 16 and really had a lot of challenges emotionally around that, uh, which I guess we'll, we'll get into during the interview. Uh, but it was, it was a phenomenal, like eye opening documentary to realize this is still going on around us. Like we're in the fight for human rights right now. Like we are in the thick of it. And I think sometimes the LGBTQ plus issue and being gay and feeling comfortable in your skin, it kind of gets pushed to the back a little bit. And we've been having a lot of really intense conversations. So it's great that this, you know, we have this documentary to talk about today, and I'm really excited to bring Jason out and dig into it. It's really amazing. 
Fantastic. Well, with no further ado, let's bring in Jason Hanasek. Hi, Jason. Hi. Thanks Good for having morning. me. Yeah, Jason, you're our uh, recurring guest. I think one of the the handfuls so far that have recurred in quarantine, which is a good sign. Well, I loved being here the first time. I mean, let's do it every three months, it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that means you're working a lot if that's the case, which is really great. So Jason was with us uh, in early, I keep saying like early quarantine, like all of a sudden quarantine is like a a season now, like early fall, (laughs) early summer. But uh, we screened his film Childhood on Fire, another documentary that he made. So please go check that out. And uh, today... We, it's, and if you're watching this live, by the way, or even on the replay on Facebook, at least, I know we're also streaming live on Twitter right now, too. But you can go see Tomorrow Will Be a Better Day in an Unknown World. It's in the comments or in the description of this live video. So if you haven't watched it, do that or do it later. But Jason, why don't you tell us a little, little bit about the film and how it was inspired? I mean, it's pretty groundbreaking. Um, yeah, sure. So... Uh... Do you want me to talk like where the how the film came to be, or, or yeah, talk you... about how you came to be director of a film sure. uh, that you know is yeah, go for it. Sure. So in 2018, I was um, uh, I had the honor of going to the uh, first iteration of the Global Short Docs Forum in London, England, and uh, I was there actually pitching a Childhood on Fire, and one of the people that I met while I was pitching at the forum. Um, was a woman named Rosie from BBC News Arabic. And uh, I I was placed with her and I sat down and I said, I'm pitching a film that's located in Portland and it's about racial justice in the United States. Um, so I don't really know that BBC News Arabic is going to take this film, but uh, I've been asked to pitch you. And she said, absolutely, let's do it. And so we pitched, or I pitched her and then she said, that's great. Yes, obviously we're not going to take that film. Um, but I've seen your other film, uh, How to Make a Pearl, which was about a man who, uh, for the last 10 years, has had to live in complete darkness. Um, and we really like it, and we'd like to work with you. So we're going to be doing this thing at the BBC. Um, maybe you can go and find uh, some stories in the, the MENA region of the world, and um, uh, we can work together. And I was like, that would that that sounds amazing sure <laughs> um and so i contacted a variety of people and said um you know hey this is what i'm doing do you know any story you know do you, have you heard of any stories and i was given uh, a ton of stories by a, a variety of people in my network none of them panned out in terms of um working out from the bbc's perspective and so i figured like okay well this isn't this just isn't going to happen and I was actually in production uh, on A Childhood on Fire when I got a, a, a Skype invitation from Rosie and said, we have a film that we think you'd be the perfect person to direct. Would you, can you jump on a, on a call? And so I jumped on a call and they said, um, we've located two people in Amman, Jordan, a gay man and a lesbian who both are, um, have attempted suicide and have survived. And they've, um, they attempted suicide because of going through a, a gay conversion therapy program. Is that something you'd be interested in working on? And I was like, well, let me tell you about my past. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yes, absolutely. Um, and so I then explained, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, which, uh, and I literally grew up like a mile and a half from Pat Robertson's uh, Christian Broadcasting Network. Um, and so 
the level of kind of like evangelical conversation was pretty, pretty large in my area. Um, and I'm also gay. And so, and I struggled with this a lot during, during when I basically you know, realized it and went and became an evangelical Christian in hopes of getting rid of my homosexuality. Um, and was in a series of, of, um, groups like uh, uh, faith-based groups where they would show videos that were essentially um, like D-level production of homosexuals and women that had received abortions and other cardinal sins, suicide being one of them. And they were just basically like writhing around in hell. Um, and it really impacted me as a, you know, uh, in my formative years of basically coming, you know, coming in my coming out process. And so I explained this to them uh, in shorthand and said I would it would be an absolute honor to be able to direct a film about this subject matter. And they said, um, great. And they said, great. And then we kind of basically started the process. And uh, I would say three and a half months later, I flew from San Francisco to Amman to to film, to make the film. And that was its own, <laughs> that was its own journey that we can get into. <laughs> oh yeah, I um, I, remember you know also feeling hearing those messages around me too growing up in a pretty religious home uh and seeing videos you know they would show videos in sunday school which is so shocking that really demonized homosexuality and and showed a pretty bleak future for us yeah. Yeah. you know teens, and it just felt you know now looking back it just seems so unloving and so reckless to expose children to that kind of i want to say really aggressive hate a really I want to say unhelpful storyline. My background, so many people who know me, my background is I, I still am a part of a community of faith. For the past few years, I've been a part of a really welcoming and affirming. And that's been a, a word that um, I love that's being used now in evangelical circles. Is Are you a welcoming community or congregation? And do you also affirm all people and all sexualities and all identities and uh, so the, the the opposite is true for churches that are not affirming, right? They're they're not uh, affirming of LGBTQ identities, and the church that I used to be a part of uh, still has this conversion therapy as a part. Uh, maybe it's not like you might see in some movies where it's violent and aggressive, but it's really like psychological. That how do you change someone's thoughts? And my best friend Matt, who was going to be joining the conversation today, but he couldn't. Uh, he went through this and has. Since now his story, four years of coming out at the age of mid-40s, had to reconcile all of these messages. Um, and that's in America. But here you have this Middle Eastern culture that has another layer and another kind of negative nuance to it that really, I mean, here in America, I would say this might be a gross, uh, um, I don't know um, the way to put it, but like, a, I don't even know how to say it, but I don't think... There's um, the level of negativity and hate that would say to somebody, although I've heard it, like, you should be dead, right, if you're gay. In America, it might be like, hey, you're not right, you're not whole, you're not healthy, at least in the Christian community, and we need to pray for you, but, they're, but these are still driving people to want to die, to take their lives. But I guess in other countries, you have literally people fearing for their life like they could be killed because of laws that are in place, right? I mean, help me, I could be totally off on this, but can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Sure, I mean, I, I, I think that, um, 
I just celebrated my 13th year in San Francisco and I wrote a status update uh, a couple of days ago when it happened. Uh, and normally I tell the story that I came to San Francisco to do my MFA. But what I realized is that I came to San Francisco to be gay. And I just happened to get into an MFA program in San Francisco. And it's important for me to re recast that story that way because of what you just said. Um, growing up in the South and then even, I mean, I was 22 years old and I had won a grant and was traveling across the country. And I went to visit a friend uh, that was I was really close with in high school. And I said, you know, hey, I'm doing this hop on hop off thing um, uh, on the Greyhound bus and I'm making photographs. Can I stay with you? And she said, absolutely. And I and I stay with her in Tennessee. And she's like, do you want to go to church with me? Go to, and uh, yeah, go to church with me. And I said, sure. I, I, yeah. I mean, even though at that point I had been out for many years and I sat in the back of the church and you know, maybe it was coincidence, but I doubt it. The preacher preached their entire sermon on the sins of homosexuality. And then I was basically cornered at the, you know, the, the fellowship afterwards in which everybody was eating by all, by a variety of people from the church who were basically trying to subtly dig at my homosexuality. And so I, I don't know that it's as um, isolated uh, as we like to think, I think that there are pockets in the United States where it's a lot easier and where this type of trauma is not happening so directly. And so we don't see it, but there are definitely places in the South and I have enough people who are still, that I know who are still struggling with this based off of where they grew up. Um, which is why I love that there are welcoming and affirming communities who are trying to do the work on the back end because, you know, like, I can't take on the the religious institutions, but other religious institutions can offer other types of narratives for what is possible and hopefully show a different show a different way, you know, a different way, which uh, in some ways is what I'm hopeful that this film will do because it's the first film uh, about the subject matter uh, released from a major broadcaster uh, um, in the region. So, uh, and that's according to what the BBC has told me that, th that this is the first time this topic has been dealt with and released at such a, in such a broad base. I mean, it's been seen by, uh, on, multi on the, all the different platforms that BBC releases it on by millions and millions of people. Um, and more importantly for me, and you just, you're cycling through this scene right now where this is happening, the individuals that are interviewed in the film, the two, the, the gay man and the lesbian, they found, well, one of them found out about, well, actually both of them found out about uh, what it means to be gay or that it even exists and also gay conversion therapy via the internet. So in some ways, this film is, in, is another thing in that conversation that hopefully young LGBT people around the world who are struggling will find this and see a path a different, be able to choose a different path because they see a different path, which is kind of what the end of the film is all about, um, is ways to uh, navigate this specific, the, you know, how to navigate coming out, but in this region of the world, which is a different, um, the complications are, the complexity is different than it, than it may be in the United States, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Can you just reiterate what, again, what was your objective with this film? What would you love to see happen as a result of this documentary? People don't kill themselves. Mm. Right. I mean, that's like, that's the number one goal is that someone doesn't choose to end their life, that they, you know, there's a scene in the film where the, um, where the gay male care uh, protagonist says, um, uh, I, I, I uh, came out and basically now the, uh, the uh, LGBT members of the community are their family mm-hmm. because they're the ones that, that brought them in. And, um, you know, we've been doing this for years. We've been going and creating chosen families for years. Yeah. And because it's not a, situ- you know, it's not a situation where our parents or, or even our grandparents sometimes or uncles and aunts can teach us about our history and about how to survive, essentially. And this, um, I'm hoping that this pat, this film is one of many in terms of other films about how to do, how to basically go and find your chosen family mm-hmm. in um, in this part of the world. I think, yeah, I think it's really beautiful. A couple of things as I hear you talking about the exposure that the film is getting to millions of people who need to feel seen and to know that they're okay and they're not. I mean, your, your tagline that you put is my sexuality is not a sickness. That's what you, you, you put on top of the BBC title, right? And I feel, you know, as I've walked through so many LGBT people and hear, heard their stories, my heart just breaks because so much of their self-hatred you know, comes from things they've been told or videos they've seen or, or sermons they have preached. And Christina has shared that on another broadcast that when she was just coming out, that was part of her story. And it just makes me so angry and sad. So if you're an LGBT person watching this or you're someone who loves an LGBT person, we need to do better. We need to do better in making these narratives and, and having and supporting brave storytellers like, like Jason to get these stories out. Because when people feel seen, they feel safe, right? And they're, they're able to come out. It's a really beautiful thing. So I'm so happy because Brave Maker is all about that. We believe that, that stories in film have the power to change lives and change culture. So really, really huge kudos to you for that. Absolutely. Thanks. I just want to, I want to say one thing that I did not, this is definite. I mean, no film is done by one person, but this is definitely right. a film that I could not do by myself. Um, one person is the animator, Leah Nichols, who... Mm-hmm did a bang up job on the animations. I mean, it's just like, she just, she really nailed them. Um, and then the other person, which I uh, I can't say their name because there's a safety concern, which is the producer. Um, the producer found the two individuals who were willing to tell their story. She cultivated that relationship. Um, and, um, and she also in multiple places really hip checked me, which was so necessary because I can't, you know, the, the, the American slash Western ideology of coming out the cut like this, that's the way to go forward is strong and it's been successful and useful in my life, but that's not always a possibility everywhere in the world from a safety perspective and, and other types of things. And I really just appreciate the context that the, that my producer, uh, Inaman gave me and, um, also just the working relationship. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm excited to see where their career goes because they're, they are a brave storyteller, um, in multiple ways. 
Right on. Yeah. I think it's really important to, to reiterate what is shared in the movie or shared in the film that it's been over 30 years since the World Health Organization declassified homosexuality as a psychological disorder, you know, and established that there, there's no need to cure someone for being gay. I think we just need to say that plainly. There's, there's no need for it. Uh, like the research is out there now. It's not something that you have to try to like search your soul for. Like these are just facts now that we have to search our hearts really to understand and accept so that everyone can, you know, start living a better life. And that kind of leads me to the title. Can you talk about the motivation for the title of this documentary? I thought it was fantastic. Uh, sure. Um, uh, the um, I was interviewing the the lesbian uh, protagonist, and um, she was comfortable reading her suicide note. And um, the title is was a part of her suicide note, um, in which she was writing to. Um, her family and and someone specifically. I have to kind of dance around this just to continue to protect their identity um, because of the ramifications of of what could happen to them if if that was revealed would be pretty heinous. Um, but it was it was a um, it was a part of their suicide note, and um, they read that portion in Arabic, and I watched my producer and uh, my producer kind of have an emotional response to just that phrase. And I said, you know, what's the translation? And I heard the translation and I, and, uh, I was like, that's, that's the title of the film. And I just knew it right in the middle of the interview. I was like, there's, I'm, I'm going to fight for this one. Um, and apparently in Arabic, it's even more in, uh, emotive and powerful than it is in English, which I find it to be a very powerful title and, or phrase in, in English as well. Yeah. When I first read the title, Tomorrow is a Better Day in an Unknown World, before seeing the documentary, it felt positive. It felt really hopeful. It didn't, I never could have imagined that was the end or part of someone's suicide letter. It's so provocative. But it also made me think about, you know, being a teen, I came out at 16, and that's how I felt. Like, when I came out, like, this has been a terrifying journey, and I never expected to do it at this age. I kind of wanted to wait till I went away to college and didn't have all the eyes and pressures on me of my community and my family, but I did come out at 16 and I felt like, well, tomorrow's got to be a better day and I don't really know what to expect from it, but it's got to be better than living in this, living in the closet, you know, living a really inauthentic life. I think the title is very relevant to, yeah, not just the Middle East, but today, right now in America, in California, even, I mean, we're, yeah. we're all in California, three of us are in California, and I tend to take it for granted. I tend to think, well, Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, we're super progressive, but there are still places where people feel afraid to be who they are, uh, feel afraid to be rejected. One thing that struck me is how in this documentary, kind of the assumption was if you came out to your parents, you would be living on the street. You would have nowhere to, to, yeah. to, to, to live. And Jason, you're right, there are some pockets in the evangelical faith community that that would be the thing. I, I, I've heard stories of someone coming out and a parent you know, taking a Bible, the family Bible and slamming it on the table and saying, do you know what this word says? Right. If you can't abide by this word, then go. And like, oh my gosh, it, 
which before we go on, I want to make sure we put this on for a minute. Uh, if you or anyone you know and love is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please put this. Keep this in your phone, actually. There's a couple 800 numbers I keep in my phone. Uh, this and the National Human Trafficking Hotline is one of them. But the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Just keep it in there. It's 24-7. It's anonymous. You can call. You can get help. You don't have to struggle alone. I wish and hope faith communities could be more of a source of comfort. And I think, and I know there are great ones. I'll highlight the quest in Marin County, California, with Matt Nightingale as an out gay pastor. It's a beautiful faith community, Un, unpaid endorsement right there. But <laughs> if you, if you and your fam, if you or your family, a home church is not a welcoming place, then do yourself a favor and find people who are trustworthy and who will love you. And I think both of these two people on the the call here are available on social media. And uh, although they're not pastors or counselors or anybody, (laughs) they are creatives who are human beings with a story. And I think sometimes that's one of the most important things that I acknowledge about somebody is if you're a human being, you have a story to share and to tell. And so reach out to Jason to say, you know, watch this short film and, if it resonated with you, great. Share it on your social media, please. There's uh, just Jason's Instagram handle as well as Christina. You can look at look her up at Christina Ray Jackson. But any, any final comments? Go ahead, Christina. Yeah, if you're struggling, you know, definitely don't feel any shame or have any reservation. Uh, suicide is something that I definitely dealt with as a queer teen coming out. Um, it wasn't something that I experienced ongoing, fortunately, but there was like one extremely dark night. You know, where I did, it was something that was contemplated. It just felt like uh, I was in an extremely hopeless place. So if you've reached that point, if you're in a really hopeless place, definitely don't feel shame. Don't have any reservations. Like, reach out and get help. And, uh, and you know, tomorrow, tomorrow could be a better day for sure to reach out and get help. Yes, that's a good word to yeah. say. Amen. Yeah. Oh, and <laughs> there's something else, too, to just, you know, before we go here. Black Lives Matter, and this is so important. I know that people are becoming fatigued and we're still in this fight, but if you don't know, and it's even hard to say, but black kids under the age of 13 commit suicide twice as often as white kids under the same age. So there's a lot of complexities going on with the civil rights fight that we're in right now, but it's extremely important that you keep it in the forefront of your minds because black teens, the suicide rate is up 73%. So like we're we're struggling and it's something that, you know, we're all in this together and we can help each other. So let's let's talk about it. I know it's really hard to have these conversations. That's why I love working with Brave Maker, having these brave conversations and creating these spaces to have, you know, really challenging conversations that hopefully are helping people. Jason, yeah, thank you, Christina, so much for that. Jason, any final yeah. thoughts? And I also want to make sure we highlight Leah, I'll pull up her website, but any final thoughts you want to share? And then we'll share her animation as well. Um, I, well, I would just say, um, uh, I don't know. I don't have much more to say outside of what Christina just said. I mean, I think like that's, I think that's a really important um, thing to note right now. And I, I think specifically around uh, the intersectionality of that. So also black trans lives um, and black queer lives. I'm, I'm, um, it's an intense, moment to be um to be alive and we like having you here so Mm -hmm. if you need some help i'm please give that uh phone number a call right on and cool tell us about leah so people can look her up and find her yeah i mean leah so 
uh, that's a in the far right corner of the punch is um, is a still from the or is a sequence from the from the film that she that that we worked on together. Uh, we were at uh, Bayvac Bay Area Video Coalition as uh, I think we were residents or fellows, um, and I had originally thought that the whole film was going to be a live action film, and got about halfway into editing and realized there was absolutely no way that I could build a film that was worthy of the stories that had been shared uh, by only going the live action route and also in a means to, um, to protect the identities of the, of the individuals who are in the film. And so I was at an event with Leah that we were doing for Bayback and I was like, I would love to hire you as an animator. Would you be willing to come on? And she was like, let's go on this journey together. And I'm so happy that she did because um, she did a fantastic job with the, with the animations and uh, was a great, just creative partner. Fantastic. I'm going to reach out to Leah. Leah at Mara, Mara SF. I hope that's how you say it. Is her Instagram handle M-R-A-W-M-R-A-W-S-F. Give her a follow. We'd love to connect with you, Leah. Great work. Really fantastic work on the animation of Tomorrow Will Be a Better Day in an Unknown World. Really fantastic. Well, Jason, uh, I need to say one more thing because last time you were here, we did a... Um, we had a question that was like, so what makes a brave maker? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and the first thing that came out of Jason's mouth uh, was follow the heat. And so like within a minute, um, my other co-host and I, Karen, were like, that is awesome. We need to make that a, a sticker. So <laughs> if you go to our um, our merchandise page which is on bravemaker.com slash merch you can see the sticker that we have <laughs> <laughs> that now is being um blocked by a an ad um but you'll see the, the sticker follow the heat that is right there jason came out of jason's mouth follow the heat, get a sticker or a t-shirt or whatever you want <laughs> we were like super stoked on that what makes a brave maker well we're not going to ask him again because he already said it follow the heat yeah. So, Jason, thanks so much for being a part of this conversation. We truly are a brave maker. Christina and I are grateful to partner with you. And I also must plug Christina's new podcast, which is coming oh, yeah. out very soon, mm. called Wheel Queens. You can see she's got her T-shirts and stickers available on the website, bravemaker.com slash merch as well. Christina, give a quick plug for what you're going to be doing with Wheel Queens. Absolutely. I've teamed up with Miss Wheelchair California 2020, Christine Burke, and her and I are going to be doing the Will Queens of SF podcast. We are going to be putting the disability back in diversity and talking about all things disability culture and the arts and responsibilities as actors and filmmakers and the stories we tell about people with disabilities. And it's just going to be a celebration of life and disability culture. We're going to have fun. Fantastic. Well, hey, thank you so much again to both of you for joining this conversation. If you're watching live, thanks for being here. Uh, oh, I forgot that we had a quick comment. I didn't even look at the comments here. Uh, but let's see, I'm going to pull it in real quick. This is from 
Robertino came in underneath the Brave Maker Film Fest because he's one of our programmers and the assistant director. But he said, thanks for sharing this important short. It's tough to understand how this mentality still exists in the world of 2020. Took me back to a tough time in my life that caused trauma, but made me strong and proud. Many of us don't have coming out parties and are celebrated by our family members. We must celebrate our uniqueness, our fierceness, and support one another. Okay. (laughs) That's from Robertino. So I guess that's a great way to end is find your chosen family and let's be a chosen family. I really feel like Brave Maker uh, is trying to be that for so many. If you have any questions or comments, I want to invite you to email me. I'm Tony at bravemaker.com. We are also going to be having a docu-series on people who have survived suicide. Um, I have had many loved ones, my grandmother, a best friend, who have died by suicide and it has rocked my life. And I have a project coming up this fall that I would love to connect with you. So if you have a story of surviving suicide of dealing with the stigma and grief, then I would love to talk to you and go to our website. If you want to join our mail list, we have free movies that come out, awesome opportunities like this, screenwriting classes and all sorts of things. And don't forget we're a 501c3 nonprofit that you can donate to and it's all tax deductible. We rely on your support. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.